Hi, I'm Tristan Miller, and you're listening to Positive and Negative, a podcast about the intersectionality between mental health and the arts. Today on the program, I speak with improviser and podcaster, Joe Leonardo. Here he is speaking about anxiety. And it's so funny, like after a show, I'll, you know, just had a panic attack. I don't know what I did. I wasn't being able to pay attention. People are like, oh, that was fine. You did good. Yeah, good. Or good job. Or yeah, oh, fine show. And it's yeah. like, well, you, if only you knew. It's a fine show. I got away with it this time, but next time I'm going to have a full <laughs> panic attack and they're going to see me. Yeah. It's always that fear, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you'll be in your brain, it's, you don't just go like, oh, I got away with it. Huh, look at me. I can get away with it. And your brain yeah. your brain goes, this time, you. next time they're going to fucking find out who you are. Next time yeah. they're going to find out you have, a, you have a disorder. Next time they'll find out that you're, you're a fraud or something. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And it's always running away. It's that's why I said about the earlier, like you're constantly moving. You're constantly running away from that grabbing feeling. This podcast is brought to you in part by Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Tristan J. Miller for early access to uncut interviews with my guests, as well as many other artistic projects I have about and for mental health. I do a series of video essays about representations of mental health in the media. I also currently have a special offer where if you join at the $5 level, you'll receive a signed copy of my book of short stories and poems titled It Had to Be Said, signed by me, as well as a postcard that you can get. Our theme song is by Billy Conahan, To Be or Nah, off of the album Leaping with Intent to Fly. You can find that on Bandcamp, iTunes, and SoundCloud. All right, let's get to this interview. We met doing uh, a video about mm-hmm. uh anxiety and i'm sure we'll yep. get to that in a little bit yeah um but you got that through some online platform for because you you've done a lot of improv right yeah so that was a, a video for hooplaha um that was a channel under the umbrella of only good news mm-hmm. and they wanted to do short videos for their channel that's all uh like positive reinforcement uh reinforcing uh messages and stuff like that and my pitch was uh anxiety but in a positive light mm-hmm. uh because it's something that is always looked down upon as you know this is this is something that you need to fix in yourself this is something that's a a, a problem that you need to address when i wanted to approach it as here's this thing um that you kind it's like your buddy it's your partner you gotta you, you make friends with it it's not mm-hmm. like a bad thing or a good thing some people feel it differently um obviously from pitch to when video is made <laughs> things yeah things don't get made exactly what but i think the overall gist of having a positive view on anxiety and how people deal in stressful situations kind of made it uh and as much as you can do in three minutes two to three minutes <laughs> yeah Absolutely. Um, you also created an improv theater in in Hartford, yes. right? Mm-hmm. What was how did you get into improv, and how did you make that theater? Cool. Um, all right, that's a big one. Okay, uh, that's okay. So, so we got I, some I time. started. That's true. <laughs> I literally have nothing to do after this, so this is great. As do as we all have nothing to do. Yeah. Um. So in. 2009 or 2008 i can't remember now but i started doing stand-up i was Mm. working at a music store 
uh, selling band and orchestral instruments called Music and Arts in East Hartford, Connecticut. Amazing. And the manager there, uh, we both loved comedy and like SNL and, and stand up and stuff. So we started going to open mics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started doing stand up. I wasn't good, but just the fact of going in front of people and doing it felt like exhilarating and amazing. Um, so we really loved doing that. But I didn't, I at the time, I didn't like writing. I just liked the performing aspect of it. I liked the drug of the reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would do, I, I was not like super successful, but I was in with the kind of stand-up crowd. I just kind of became buddies with everyone. Um, so I got to do some gigs. I did some gigs in Massachusetts, uh, around Connecticut as well, obviously, because I'm from Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, and I should mention this all takes place in Hartford, Connecticut. <laughs> I all think right. I forgot to mention that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then someone mentioned to me, hey, you should try improv. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, you're kind of, you move around a lot. But really, the reason <laughs> my moving around a lot was because I've always been a very anxious person. And I need to expel my energy. Um, it's almost like I have to distract myself from thinking. Yeah. <laughs> or else the anxiety catches me. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. you got to keep moving the body or else the anxiety will catch you. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I was told about improv. And obviously I was a big Whose Line Is It Anyway fan. And uh, people that poo-poo on short form I always hate. Because that yeah. introduces people to improv. Um, so. Yeah. You know, that's like crapping on the Beatles and you like yeah. death metal. It's like, well, they're introduced music to a lot of people. Anyways, um, so I started taking a I, I, I uh, emailed an instructor in Connecticut to take a class. She said that she wasn't accepting anybody but to try out this other person oh. uh, who worked at the Harford stage. His name is Matt Newfeld. So I messaged him and he was starting like a semi advanced class when i say advanced i mean they had a rudimentary like an intro class uh and they were doing uh, a long form class for the form the herald form which mm-hmm. is like the improv long form form mm-hmm. um but he's like well you need to take uh previous classes to join this class and i said i've done stand-up so i kind of understand what it's like to be on stage <laughs> And this is, you know, it's a yeah. small city and there's like, they would rather just sell a seat in class <laughs> as opposed to, you know, not have me join. So like, whatever. And in that class is where I met six other individuals who ended up being, uh, the name of the group is CT Improv. Um, mm-hmm. It's spelled S-E-A-T-E-A Improv. It's a pun on CT, the initials for Connecticut, but uh, it's CT people don't get that till later uh but that's that's the joke uh and that's where i met these six other individuals and others in the class and we just all were we were all at moments in our lives where we were kind of lost i guess uh a lot of people had business degrees coming from the corporate world a lot of people were or some people wanted to be just comedians um some people were just involved in theater and we all, it was one of those magical things. We all came together and we all had this group mind instantly. And we mm-hmm. all like understood each other. So um, we did the class. We obviously really liked each other. And then we got gigs at a, um, a monthly gig at a comedy club uh, that was called the Brouhaha Comedy Club in a basement of a brewery 
called City Steam because one of the worker, uh, one of the workers there, uh, Julia, was a waitress. She was a waitress, and now she was taking the class. So she got us this gig on a dark night that we could mm. do and try to sell. It ended up being a huge hit, and mm. every monthly show we'd have like sold out shows, um, and we ran it for years, and we did like these short form shows, uh, and the ball started rolling and then we started teaching classes because there was kind of this void of improv in Connecticut. Um, we were commuting down to New York to take UCB classes. Um, and then one thing led to another. Oh, then we started this thing called the long form showcase, which we did short form, but we wanted to kind of venture off into long form because we felt that was like a, uh, more artistic and kind of it's re- releases you from the chains of short form. And, um, yeah. Then we started doing a long form showcase, which was outside of the Brew Haha uh, Comedy Club. That got a, an audience, and then we eventually opened up a theater. And yeah, we've been doing that ever since. So yeah. we still have our uh, seven people are still involved in it. We have one person's out in LA. He does like a lot of commercial work. He's been on some sitcoms. His name's Vlad. We have uh, a summer who's up in Boston. Uh, she does stuff with Improv Boston. Uh, I met my wife through CT. Uh, no. Kate Sidley. She's a writer for uh, The Late Show with Stephen mm. Colbert. Um, what else? And then we have uh, the artistic director of obviously the theater, and then the managing director. Or, uh, there and then it's it's just. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a momentous thing. That's it's it's still it's still moving. It's still trucking. Yeah. Um, did that explain we... everything? What was the original question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, you you did it very well. Uh, you you hit all the points. I'm saving this for the deposition when I give <laughs> when we're involved in a lawsuit. Yeah. All right. Um, so at the beginning of this, you, we were talking a little bit about how we met and how that was surrounded by anxiety. Uh, when did mm-hmm. you first start feeling anxious? Um anxiety and like depression with depressive symptoms i've always mm-hmm. had I, I think it really hit uh maybe junior or high school it was like mm-hmm. an adolescence thing but uh it's tough when it hits at that age because you you think it's a physical thing mm. you know you're like oh my body's just changing for me it, it manifested as like a stomach gas thing where like uh-huh. i would i feel like i'm gonna throw up Right. Whenever, uh, whenever I was in a situation that made me anxious, uh, I physically felt sick, mm. and I didn't know for a very long time. I thought I had stomach issues. I went to the doctor. They prescribed me like Nexium, which is basically like Prilosec OTC. Mm-hmm. It's like an anti uh, heartburn medicine. Um, so I've taken a lot of things that they aren't placebos, but they'll have like a placebo effect. Or I'll take like a Nexium and I'll be like, uh, oh, okay, this is doing it. I feel better because I feel slightly different. Um, but the anxiety like never went away. All my, I, I still had all my mental anx- uh, uh, anxiety triggers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had that for a very long time. And it wasn't until, uh, I'm going to say 2000. 11 2010 is when i thought of going to like a therapist on my own i never told my family anything i still haven't had a conversation with my family regards i mentioned i'm anxious like i have anxiety but we don't talk about it um but the first time i went to a therapist was 2010 because i 
kind of, I've been told anxiety by a couple doctors, but I'm like, I'm sure I have that, but I really have some underlying issue. That's mm-hmm. where the real problem is, right? Um, That's very astute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, or ignorant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On my part. Um, uh, so, I finally went to a, a therapist and I, I don't think it was a good therapist. I didn't have like health insurance at the time. It really didn't work for me or I just wasn't doing it right. I was thinking like, this will fix my brain. Almost had the like surgical, like people think once I get surgery, I'm, I'm fixed. I don't need to change anything about my life. Right. Mm-hmm. Kind of went into therapy with that mindset. Um, it really didn't work out for me. So I didn't really go for years until for 2020, 2019, 2018, 2017, I went back here in the city. I found a therapist and I went because I was having a lot of anxiety again. And I feel like I was understanding it better, but I still was in performance mode. You know, uh, a lot of us performers, especially with anxiety, we kind of can pull down that mask, right? And we can perform. We're in front of people, we perform for them. We don't let them see the real person behind the mask, right? So I felt like I was performing therapy, if that makes sense. Yeah. And there, there's yes, I'm I'm putting this in like a uh, a light that's saying it's not working, like a negative light. But it's like slow steps. I did that for a little bit. I st- I stopped doing it because there was a, a money thing. I think rates went up or insurance. There was an insurance thing, and then finally I started back up again in 2019 January, and I found an amazing therapist who I literally came in being like, I'm going to just talk and just say how I feel. If it feels vulnerable and weird and I feel insecure or or it just feels vulnerable and and anxious about saying it because it's that little naggy voice that is not supposed to be said out loud. It's in the brain, a little mad, little angry person. I just was just completely honest and it was this revolutionary thing. And I had a great therapist who wasn't dealing with any of my performative bullshit. She would tell me, like, you're performing. You're, you're, you're performing for me. This isn't, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to a performance. I'm talking to Joe Leonardo the star. I'm not talking to <laughs> Joe Leonardo the man, uh, which I needed to have happen. And it's funny. When that first happens, you get mad. You're like, fuck this person. What the hell? Oh. You know what I mean? Because mm. it's a defense oh. mechanism. Um, so through this one therapist it that one year of therapy and then there was an insurance change and then coronavirus happened so i've been without therapy for five months now but um yeah that was that really changed my life there was there's like the like bc 80 like in a calendar there is like before that dealing with that therapist Mm -hmm. and then after and my perspective on everything changed I understood that it was a relationship with like myself I I just got it it clicked and um, a lot of it had to do with just allowing myself to be honest with the exterior version of me being honest with the interior version of me and Hmm. remembering that it's the same person and not two different people has that affected the way you do improv i mean i suppose you haven't been doing a lot of improv because of the current situation but even when you started getting that 
self-awareness, do you think that's improved what you do? Yes, it has. My because re- it's changed my relationship with the stage, which sounds so pretentious to say, but it's so truthful. Because I almost thought of it like I, every time I went on stage before was however I'm feeling, if I'm feeling anxious, sad, or something, I'm like, fuck, I can't be feeling anxious when I'm on stage. It has to be, mm-hmm. I need to be, I need to be in a specific mindset to do good on stage and I'd get mad or I get anxious if I'm not in that specific mindset. Yeah. And that in itself would not put me in that mindset. So it's worrying this about worrying at that point, worrying about worrying, which is uh, a phobia. That's 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 when you turn it into a, a disorder mm-hmm. and that's not good. That's when it becomes an anxiety disorder. So, uh, yeah, I would get on stage. There'd be a, a performance that was very important to me, and then I'd get in my head, um, and then I would just get. I, I've had. I'm assuming this probably has happened with you too. Have you ever had panic panic attacks on stage? But you you look normal, fine, but inside you're having a panic attack. Yeah, I've had that a few times. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's so funny. Like after a show, I'll you know just i had a panic attack i don't know what i did i wasn't being able to pay attention people like oh that was fine you did good yeah good or good job or yeah a fine show and it's like well if only you knew it's a fine show i got away with it this time but next time i'm gonna have a full (laughs) panic attack and they're gonna see me it's always that fear right Mm -hmm. so you'll be in your brain it's you don't just go like oh i got away with it huh look at me i can get away with it and your brain your brain goes this time you next time they're gonna fucking find out who you are next time they're gonna find out you have a you have a disorder next time they'll find out that you're you're a fraud or something Mm -hmm. right and it's always running away. It's that's why I said about the early, like you're constantly moving. You're constantly running away from that grabbing feeling. Um, when you're doing improv, that freedom to play, does that relieve any of the anxiety for you? So I think, uh, the first question we should ask ourselves is what causes our anxiety? For me, I am very much a, I want to do well and I want people to laugh and I don't want to bomb and I'm trying to impress people all the time right um so with improv I've gotten good at it's funny I feel like the anxiety it sucks but has it has to not say it hasn't helped in finding a comedic voice is lying Mm -hmm. to saying oh it's all bad and I it's no it's it's good good it got me far i was on how many ucb house teams i've gotten shows that you like i did well uh and part of that is because of uh, anxiety because of my my existential doom and fear that kept me sharp mm-hmm. um so that that said the question of does improv make me anxious it depends so like if i'm doing like a two prov thing where i can't leave the stage where i'm like oh i'm stuck in this i get a claustrophobic feeling and i'll get more anxious where if i'm in a set that's kind of a montage there's no structure to it i can come in i can leave and i can say killer lines i'm so much more looser 
because I have this thing in my back of my head. If if I feel anxious or I feel like I'm having a panic attack, I can just leave the stage and justify it in a second. <laughs> I can justify leaving. Yeah. I can do a move where I literally leave the theater. I've never yeah. done that, but having that thought yeah. has alleviated a lot of anxiety. But the fear that if I bomb or if something bad happens and I can't go anywhere, and then everyone hates me or I'm not doing well because I put so much worth on what the audience thinks of me. I don't have any self-worth. I have ex- uh, all my worth is external. Then I start getting in my head. And mm-hmm. then I start like I start adding values to the laughs and to the responses while I'm in it trying to get the responses. Hmm. So I have almost my brain is processing two things at once and it can't 100% focus on something. Yeah. Uh that's that's where you know that like you mentioned before uh so I was on uh Lloyd Knight forever and you obviously have to do a herald right and there's you do a, there's a structure to it you have first beats second beats third beats whatnot, right so I do a first beat and it would be kind of shitty and then I think to myself what am I going to do for the second beat and I get in my head about it right and I'm not like in the moment or I know like an artistic director is in the crowd or this, this show means something or whatever someone's coming to see it I would think about it a lot the shows that I wouldn't give a fuck, I would just show up li- like late to the theater or just I was having a day that something good happened earlier in the day so that puts less priority on the actual performance. That doesn't mean as much anymore. I would slay. I'd do so well. And not just an audience response, in like personal perf- uh, performance and how I'm just relaxed and having a good show, right? I'm Anxiety is, a lot of it for me is I'm my own roadblock. I'm mm-hmm. in my own way, right? Mm-hmm. I guess that's hopefully that an, there's an answer to your question somewhere in well, there. Well, yeah, I think it did. Um, how do you circumvent those roadblocks? Therapy. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Honestly, I mean, just, but like in the moment, when um, you're feeling those things. Like, like I can't le- like that claustrophobic feeling where I can't leave. Well, that or like yeah, when you're just getting in your own way and you're like compounding the anxiety how do you stop that flow and circumvent it um sometimes i would like pinch myself in my pocket Hmm. causing a little bit of pain because pain makes me focus on something else Uh i would just try to my brain will start looping and i would get stuck thinking about it so sometimes i bite the inside of my lip Mm -hmm. or the inside of my cheek cause a little bit of pain um Sometimes I'll make a decision, obviously, that plays to I think I'm being weird somehow. Like, oh no, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, I look like I'm having a panic attack or something, or I look like I'm, I'm anxious, and I'll justify that, that, sure. and then that alone relieves some of the anxiety. But the thing is, nobody realizes that I, it's all in my head. I'm looking perfectly fine. Yeah, of course. Um. So there, it's it's um, band aids, like uh, not actual band aids, but like I come up with band aids that mm-hmm. can get me through the moment, but there aren't like a cure. They're just, yeah. it's just an Advil for uh, the pain. It's not curing the pain. Yeah, that makes sense. You've mentioned a few times phobias, and do you think your anxiety is at that level? Have you ever had like issues going places or doing things, and it's disrupted your whole life? Um. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm obviously not to a level that's kept me 
uh, like locked inside or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm functional, but I've had moments where anxiety has stopped me from doing something, stopped me from uh, going after something mm-hmm. or just, I don't even like, Oh, I can't do that because I'll get, that makes me, I'll be anxious because of that. When you start planning around a future event because you'll think you'll be anxious in it, that's when it's now a phobia. And that that's when it's now like a disorder and a problem, right? Mm-hmm. So, or you can just, you can fear yourself getting anxious thinking about doing something. Yeah. Like, oh, if I do that, that'll make me anxious. And then you start feeling anxious. Yeah. Right? Um, so that's happened. A lot of it's like traveling. I'm very anxious traveler because I feel like, oh, if I have a panic attack and I'm at the airport hundreds of miles away or if i'm stuck on a plane mm-hmm. i have a little bit of a claustrophobia to me i don't like tunnels mm-hmm. i don't like bridges yeah um because i feel like i'm stuck in this spot and i can't get away um so those are probably the biggest ones like uh that that has stopped me from like oh i don't want to i don't want to travel here because i i know i'll i'll be anxious at the mm-hmm. destination or something you mentioned a little bit ago like you, the idea of you're putting all your self-worth on other people do you think mm-hmm. that's true in your day-to-day or just when you're performing no day-to-day yeah yeah <laughs> where do you think that comes from that's my biggest uh i, I don't know if this we're gonna turn this into a therapy session well, but like uh i'm sure that definitely comes from maybe family stuff maybe yeah. the, the feeling of need to add worth uh Stuff like that. All right. Yeah. Um, how do you cope with that? Like, I mean, I, that would make me incredible. I, I used to be a very, very similar way. And still mm-hmm. am. I still have those tendencies. And it would make you anxious. How do you, like, is there a specific way you cope with those feelings? Specifically? Like a worth feeling? Yeah. Um... I guess taking pride in achievements and not Mm -hmm. poo-pooing them. (laughs) Um, I know it sounds simple and silly, but it's hard. I don't, I can always find a pessimistic view for anything good that happens. Um, Although I'm a very like optimistic, I have a very optimistic exterior and I'm a very happy person. Yeah. I someone even told me they're like I just I want to be like you because you seem very happy all the time mm-hmm. and I'm like this honestly this is an overcorrection it's sure. me fighting <laughs> off you know being yeah. depressed all the time yeah um, I come from like I've been raised on a very like pessimistic voice like a lot of parental voices very pessimism all the time mm-hmm. without diving too deep into it and as they say your internal monologue is your um, dominant parent's voice. Hmm. that's like a thing that's said a lot so if my internal monologue is taken from my dominant parent who has a very pessimistic outlook on everything all the time no matter how good it is then i'm going to be very pessimistic against myself and any achievement i do so that's kind of like setting up yourself to fail no matter even if you don't fail you just told yourself you failed like i could achieve something right i can see someone achieve something and um I'll be like, wow, look at that person did. I wish I can do the same uh, thing. And then if I do it, 
I'll be like, well, the only reason I made it here is because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I, I made it here because of either I guess on uh, one question on this test or uh, yeah. someone liked me in an audition room uh, who I'm friends with. I, it's, I'm not, it's not based on valor or, or any accomplishments I did. I got here because I, um, you know, I'm the odd man out here. I shouldn't be here. Yeah. Th- I have the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Right? And uh, you're kind of lowering your worth. Every time you do that, you're being very negative against yourself. So if you, and the thing is, I truly, you start, you truly believe it. You hear that voice, you truly believe it about yourself, because you're you're going to be your own hardest uh, hardest critic. So a person like that is going to look for validation all the time, right? Because they're not giving any validation for themselves. So they need to fill in this well, or else they'll just be depressed and kill themselves or whatnot. They'll be just depressed all the time. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is you go on stage and you're like, I need these fucking laughs, man, to last me through the week, mm-hmm. right? So you, you, you feel good and those endorphins happen and you have a great show. And then you're like, I'm the fucking shit. I'm really good. Your ego is very high, but your self-worth is very low. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the relationship I'm that's my journey and what I work on is I have a very high ego. I think I'm the fucking shit. But I also think I'm a piece of shit. Like I'm very low self-worth. And I, it's good for comedy, but it's just sure. not good for like being a person mm-hmm. and living day-to-day life. Um the one thing I'm, I I can say is I'm a very decent person. Like I I I like to listen to people. I like to help people out. I try my best to empathize in any situation, maybe sometimes to my detriment. That said, uh, I just don't do that to myself, and I, I need to work harder on that. And I mm. think I'll just the awareness of everything I'm telling you right now took therapy and took just years of kind of uh, looking inward and trying to really figure some shit out. But um, I'm obviously I'm not cured, and uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but. At least I'm. I know I'm on uh, a pathway and a journey, and I'm, I'm trying to figure shit out. Do you have that um, concern that a lot of people do, where like if if you stop feeling the way you do, do you think you're going to be worse at improv? No, no, you don't. I think <laughs> I'll be better. Good. 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 <laughs> I think Good. that's an old, very old comedian, like an '80s '90s comedian style For of sure. com- uh, thinking of comedy. Like I could never be happy because then I, I uh, you know, then I won't be funny. Mm-hmm. That shit is old and yeah. fucking tired way of thinking. Yeah, dude. If anything, um, the the improv is all about like joy spreading. Yeah, at least right now, and it's in, in its incarnation right now, it's all about positivity. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it can evolve again into like something a little more, you know, dark or whatever. But right now, it's about positivity. It's about um, inclusiveness, yeah. and it's about um, you know poking fun at unusual things that aren't just mean or yeah. negative. Yeah, it's kind comedy. Um, yeah, yeah, that that makes which is sense. fine. Some people like it. Some people don't. I, I don't. You know, it ain't always my cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> Improv is just, it's just a corner in the room that is comedy. Yes. It's not all of comedy. Absolutely. Um, are you on any medications and would you ever consider being that or do you? Yes. Yeah. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was on, well, I am on uh, like a Zoloft generic. Okay. Um, they started me off with like a 0.25, which is like the introduction dose right and then they raised it up to Mm 50.5 and i was on that for a while and i actually just had it moved back down to 0.25 no 
Well, that's good. Not that long ago. Yeah. That sounds. Um, did you have a hard time making that move to try that? I was very against medications. I I, I thought I thought of it as a failure. I thought of it as a cheating. Another thing, like I'm cheating. I'm not doing this right if I take medicine. Um, and again, I think it's a very old way of thinking. Um, it's a tool to help you cope. Obviously, if you're just taking the medication and not reflecting or not um, going on this journey for self-improvement, then it is a bit of a Band-Aid. But if you're using the medication as a tool to help you discover things about yourself or uh, get more enlightened about your problems, um, it's extremely beneficial, and it has been extremely beneficial to me. Um, So I highly advise medication, but obviously if it's tied with some sort of therapy or Mm -hmm. something else. Not yeah. just taking the medicine and being like, all right, I just need a medicine and I'm done. Yeah. No, that's not how it fucking works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm glad that... How about you? Oh, for sure. I, had a, I I was literally, it was like a last resort. I was like, I'd tried everything else. I'd had, you know, I'd put yeah. it off for years. And I, my excuse is always like, I don't have time to, you know, because I have a, a mood disorder, which goes up and down. And so it's yeah. like, I don't have time to like sit and go, am I going to go crazy, basically? when I'm trying to hold down a job and then it got to a point where I'm like I have tried everything else I just don't want to feel these certain ways and if it helps I'll try it and something that was really wonderful that my girlfriend said was like also you're an adult if you don't like it you can always just stop and I was like oh I hadn't thought of that because I'm weirdly like I am I am a people pleaser, and I'm like I want this doctor to think I'm doing a good job of being yeah, mentally same. ill, you know? Yeah, <laughs> uh, which <laughs> which is like cool, but like not exactly helpful because I've been like I've tried antidepressants and they don't work for me and like that sort of thing. So did they? So for you, is yeah. it like a daily thing or is it as needed? Um, I have one of each. I have a anti anxiety thing that's as needed and then i take a mood stabilizer every day like a xanax for as needed um uh it's clonopin so it's like clonopin yeah basically yeah. it's a trank so it's just like okay we gotta yeah. quick <laughs> just <laughs> i'm pretty stable and like i yeah. have something just in case yeah. things get bad and like having that in my back pocket really makes me feel a lot more secure ah that's something oh I'm so glad you brought that up. So, like, uh, I was given the the as-needed Xanaxes as well. And every time I – if I – before I was taking Zoloft, they gave me the as-needed Xanaxes, but I'd never take them because mm-hmm. I'd think of it as a failure. I'm like, I can just survive the panic attack or I can survive this anxiety thing, right? So when the anxiety starts kicking, I would be like, well, I'm not going to take it. I can just survive it. It's fine. I'll get through it, right? Um, but now – so – when I started taking them, like I started listening to my therapist, I was like, "Just take it. If you feel like you have, you have anxiety, take it." And now, just the idea of having it in my pocket sometimes removes the anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Just knowing that there's this thing that can kill it. It's almost like that. Going back to that claustrophobic thing mm-hmm. I was talking about earlier, where yeah. I feel like I need to just get away, and if I don't feel like I have an, uh, an escape plan, I get 
like a panic attack. Yeah. Where having that in my pocket is like my anywhere escape mm. plan. Yeah, you can just I mentally can walk off stage. Mentally go bye bye. Yep. And take a take one of those like point fives. That's all like you know. Yeah. Point five or point two five, break it in half or something. Yeah, it's absolutely. And for me, it was also. Like, there's that huge sense of relief that way. And then also, I, I, I don't know about you, I, I get anxious about taking it. Like, yes. I feel anxious. And then I like, I'm like, oh, should I, should I not? And that, like, perturbs anxiety yeah. more. And then I'm like, once I get to that level about being anxious about taking anti-anxiety medicine, I'm like, you should just take it. Like, yeah, that's my marker. I have a big fear, too, when I take it. That first like uh, like five to, to 20 minutes where it's in your body, it hasn't worked yet, mm-hmm. where I go, oh, no, I just put something in my body and I can't go back. Oh, yeah. I would get that feeling. So I would take the uh, like Xanax and I'd be like, there's no going back now. Yeah. This is in <laughs> yeah. my body. And that would give me so much anxiety sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So what I have to do is I have to take it and then do something to forget about it. Sure. And then when it comes up, like when it finally... When I start feeling the effects of it, I go, oh, this is pleasant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I remember like one of the first times I took it, I was like, oh, you can just feel this way forever. <laughs> like this is what normal people feel like. Thank- I say that all the time. I go like, I can't believe there's, if I felt like this all the time, I'd rule the fucking world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get like those like delusions of grandeur sometimes where I'm like, oh man, if I was a normal person, I would be so <laughs> successful. Absolutely. That's that ego coming through. Do you, what would your biggest piece of advice um, to someone who's dealing with these sort of similar problems to you be? Um, be nice to yourself. Be uh, Play the video game Celeste. I've heard good things. <laughs> I've yet to. Celeste. I just beat it. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll get to my real answer, but first let's talk about Celeste for a hot second. Sure. I just, I, it's like $5 on the Switch in the eShop, and I beat it, and I almost cried because I identified if you have any type of anxiety disorder, depression, anything, play that game. It is, A, you identify with it, and it is so beautifully written because it visualizes what it's like to have depression or an anxiety disorder. Um, they they do it through like uh, characters and and uh, the main character's journey um, climbing this mountain called Celeste, this magical um, enlightened mountain, um, and it is a very anxiety inducing game because it's very hard. Mm-hmm. But the story is amazing. I highly if you ever want to show someone if you ever want to explain to someone like this is what depression feels like or this is what having anxiety disorder feels like just have them play celeste and then that's like the best way to show someone like this is kind of what i feel and what i'm going through a cheat code if you will yeah hey now <laughs> um my actual my other answer mm-hmm. my more uh personal answer would be uh be nicer to yourself really uh maybe this is coming just from me because that's my whole thing is i'm very hard on myself um but like loving yourself, it sounds so silly to say, but like you think of yourself how you would, I, sometimes I think of I'm the father to myself. Hmm. I'm my own father figure. Where like if I'm anxious, I kind of remove myself from it and I talk to myself as if I'm talking to my son and he's has he has this 
panic attack he's going through right now. And what would I say if I had a son that was feeling the way that I felt? And I would say, like, it's I'm here for you. It's okay. You know, I love you. Um, relax. Um, it, feel upset. If you're upset about something, your feelings are, are – they have meaning and purpose, and it's okay to feel bad about these things because if you poo-poo – the feeling like, oh, you shouldn't be mad about this. This shouldn't piss you off. This shouldn't make you sad. No, it does. That's why you're feeling that way. When you start fighting your emotions is when you start creating that, that anxious tension. Um, so my, my, a lot of my little trick, be nice to yourself. Talk to yourself how you would talk to your child that you love. Yeah. But this was super great. It was lovely being on. And thank you for having me yeah thank you for and being- i really like this conversation this was a great conversation to have i don't talk about this shit i'm not one of those comics that like talks about depression or or anything like this is a uh, very out of my wheelhouse mm-hmm. i'm not saying like in a bad way or a good way um i'm very personal very personal i don't like talk about how i feel or anything and this is kind of the real first conversation i've had about it and why not do it publicly on a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take that leap. Do it. Yeah. 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 This was great. Yeah.